1: All right, welcome back to Pit Pass, an absurd after-party. Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper with you on this, uh, well, by God, it's just a Justin Brayton kind of weekend, and we've gotten a little bit All used way. to it. Third generation of the uh, Br- uh, Justin uh, Brayton shootout down in uh, Winterset, Iowa. A little rainy down there, so we brought the after-party, if you will, back up to Des Moines, up to Pole Position Raceway. Mark Benell has agreed to host us on the weekend, and uh, by golly, if you've never seen or participated on electric carts you need to get up to a pole position for all the fun that is these electric carts it goes super super quick and uh, and it's an awful lot of fun to watch anyway we've been enjoying the conversation with Justin Brayton obviously uh, Damon Bradshaw Chad Pedersen they're going to stay through uh, the first uh, probably 10 minutes and then we'll slide Cody Gilmore and Matt Byton in and uh, maybe Tony Winkle they've been joining us at some point but the question that I posed prior to uh going to uh top of the hour break coming back my question still stands have we seen everything that we're going to see as far as changes in our industry ktm has slowly climbed up the ladder to the point where they have got everybody's attention you're seeing husk the brand that was come back and really start making some noise you're seeing Honda holding down its spot but you're also seeing yamaha suzuki and kawasaki out there still but not necessarily always in the winner's circle at the top of the box. Justin Brayton, let's bring you back. If, if we can slide that mic over in front of you. What are your initial thoughts about the industry as it stands right now in terms of uh, the brands that are are, are, are working hard?
3: Um, yeah, I think as
1: from a rider, I think
3: the biggest thing that KTM's doing is everyone's working together so well. Because um, I've been on several teams where you just feel like you're a little bit of uh, of an outcast or maybe the team's not working together or maybe the team's separate than the rider. And then, um, you know, my first year with with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, I came in and it seemed like they wanted to do the, to do the football mentality, which is kind of what KTM has done, but they've taken it to a different level. They had, you know, at JGR, they had in-house trainers. They had a, their own private test track. And, at the time, I just think they were a little too early and maybe didn't have the right people in place. I think their motto was was spot on. Um, KTM has all the right people in place. They have uh, you know Alden Baker as a trainer. They have uh, leadership with Decoster and Ian Harrison now. And and I just think when you go there, you know everyone is on the same page. And sometimes as a rider, you can feel like you're in left field because. The team is separate and then you do testing and you feel like there's chatter behind your back about whatever it may be. And then uh, the riders on their own for getting trainers. And and I feel like if I was running a team and your biggest investment is your rider, (laughs) you would want to know who the trainer is. You would want to make sure they're eating right. You would want to make sure they're doing their laps. Like the list goes on. But no, a lot of teams I've been on and a lot of teams even now, they don't even care. They're like, go, go. Here's your contract. Go yeah, figure it out. Here's your contract. Here's, here's a million bucks, but oh, go nice. figure it out. Seems I mean, there's like, a lot of guys no, that I mean, are making that, that, that The best example we we'll always laugh
2: about is buddy Antonas. Budman turned pro at 16 yeah. and wasn't his parents didn't travel with him. They mm-hmm. got him a ticket and an airplane ticket and said, we'll see at the track.
3: Yeah. And now KTM's like, Hey, these two guys are our biggest investment. We're going to do everything we can to get the right things in place to make them be successful and and help them because when you're a kid and and like if damon's 16 and he's coming in to, to race professional and to be the best guy he doesn't really know how to handle money he's making i don't know what you're making a million bucks maybe at that time or, or no, even if close. he's making a not, no. not, not, an 80, not an 88. yeah, yeah well in 88, even if it's a million dollars come from well now nowadays i'm it's no like, kidding but back in it's the day, those types it? of numbers yeah but Even for me, like when I started first, let's just say 100 grand. When I first started making 100 grand, I'm like, I thought I was the richest kid on the planet. And I didn't know how to handle that. Where now these kids are getting more. They're getting 500 grand or some are getting a million. So then you have to handle that. Then the kids, they don't know how to get a loan for a house. So who's going to help them with that? They don't know how to get a vehicle. They don't know how to, like there's so many things. Insurance policy. So all these things, I feel like, the riders on their own little island on how to handle it. And then they have to go win the race on the weekend after trying to deal with all these things. And I just think that's where, as far as the racing side of it, KTM's got it figured out as far as we're all a team. Hey, Marvin, Coop, guess what? You guys don't like each other? You're still doing motos together. And I think it's great. And when you go there, they set that bar and you have respect for that. I don't think all teams could do it because I don't know if they have the respect up top from the leadership side. They've already proven
2: so. it now. And the fact they've proven it, yeah, it's, right. it's so hard for someone else to come in and do it. I think, I, yeah, they're yeah. Haunted to try and say, hey, Kenny, you're gonna work for this this, this new trainer we got. Yeah, But yeah. So with Alden, it's already
3: a proven deal. K-team's that's already right. a proven plan, yeah. Yeah, but even the, aside from the training side, I still think the teams could make everyone more of a team and, and work together more. That's my side from, you know, I don't know from, like i've never been a team manager i've never been on that side but as a rider going to teams that's what i think would help me the most of and honestly my now moto concepts it is it's not like oh you have to have this trainer or that trainer but tony alessi as a manager like that guy will be up all night to make sure my bike is dialed and that's awesome because sometimes i'm up all night trying to figure out how i can be better and you want that in a a manager and in in a Owner, for me, he's spending, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of his own money. So you know everyone's kind of invested in it together. I don't think all teams are like that. I think some guys just take their paycheck and go home at five o'clock and, and clock out, where that's not our sport. It's 24-7. So,
1: and I guess my follow-up to that would be, and Danny, you could, you could chime in too. Um, so you treat it like a business, number one. You have a plan, you have a hierarchy the team owner team manager trainer uh techs and engineers and of course the racers not necessarily in that order but if you have that going in and you sit down and this is the way it works fellas this is what we're doing then the expectation truly is a championship season right so if the equipment in in this case we're talking you know ktm obviously has been a target for a lot of folks they've done a good job but if the equipment is is uh, not just par but better than par that gives you one more leg up you've it seems like all the tools are in place for a championship run no matter what there are no excuses except the competition and the competition is only getting better yeah
3: yeah for sure I think Denny said it right earlier like a lot of teams point the blame at the rider like it's always the rider so then you have more pressure even as a rider to perform where you're like my bike's not good enough or teams don't really want to admit that or the manufacturer doesn't want to admit that that a certain bike is better so I think that's that's part of it too. And yeah, now competition. I mean, everyone's getting better. There's all, I always say it's the training facility era. Like right now is when that's starting to be these kids that have been, that's what they're groomed to do. You know, when I'm in uh, 11 years old, I'm not being, I wasn't being groomed to be a racer. Now these kids, there's kids that I ride with that are eight, nine, 10 years old that are living at a training facility. Wow wanting to be the next Damon Bradshaw. It's like, that's pretty crazy. So now I'm starting to race those kids that their whole life is banked on that. It's just reps. I've got way more reps than probably more, I'm 35. Some of the kids- Have more laps down. More laps than me. And they're- But then we've talked about as 18. well that these, are, these kids are now practice kids. These that's kids, right. They, they don't race very
2: often. They race like four times a year. Yeah. And yeah. I think we can all agree that
3: it's an amateur.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the only race Loretta's Yeah, and maybe the Winter Olympics and maybe, you know, Daytona, the, the selective big events yeah. now. I mean, that, racing forged <laughs> us. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. Racing is so, so different. Than, so
2: much different. It, it's, it's everything. Different. I mean, it's, it's like uh, it's a mind blowing. And then I, that's why I love that uh, Tony, you know, Tony is trying to get people to race. We talked about that on the way uh, coming in tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, Checkers had said that Tony will, Tony will go almost lose money on a weekend just to so get people out racing. Yeah. You know, show up and pay for practice and we'll let you race for free, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's where we see a lot of these kids today, which I post on Instagram is, is they're not they're, they're a little mentally weak. They make mistakes when they should be making mistakes. They're getting paid way too much money to make making those mistakes. And I think it comes in from the fact that they just grew up not dealing with those situations. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, we're made we're, at eight years old. I was my dad. Made, I was clutch. You, you show up, you win. That's what you do. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't come pressure really that young, maybe it, may, it comes pressure later, but you delivered that point. Like when you showed up, you know, with Loretta's, you go into the one-one and the third moto, that's all on you, man. Mm. What do you do? You either win or you fold. Yeah. And um, I think you've seen a lot of these kids folding because that does not deal, they haven't dealt with that their whole life. Mm. Because all they're doing is a fucking bunch, sorry, a bunch <laughs> of stinking laps on a, on a practice track and that doesn't really teach you.
1: Yeah, true, I, I'm not sure I understood that word, but, um, it was pretty clear for most of us. Um, I do want to, and final, before we break this up, and Denny, you're going to stay with me, but you mentioned Alden Baker, and he has really set the bar high as far as what a good trainer does. But there's one guy I think that is perhaps the best team manager I think that I've seen in my entire career, and perhaps you would agree with me on this, but... What has Roger DeCoster meant to our sport? Uh, and in, in, in specific, what has he meant to the modern-day racer? I mean, what are your thoughts? First, Justin, we'll go to you.
3: Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I, I think his his records speak for themselves. I, I I know Roger personally, but not that well. I've never really worked with him. But there's obviously something there, that leadership that people really grasped i think there's certain people in in life whether it's businessmen or athletes or whatever that just have this certain aura that you just respect them Mm -hmm. and i think he has that and that's hard to come by um it's earned um so yeah i I don't know maybe these guys could speak you know i'd like to see what damon
2: damon you know he's you know rogers it was a big part of you know i think growing up with his racing and knowing his world talents and stuff and you talked about, you know, the team, you're working with Keith, you know, career <clears throat> career team people. What is your outside look, it's, you know, from working with Keith all the years and what you've seen De- Roger's done? What do you think the difference in that?
0: You know, I don't think there's any real one difference. I mean, obviously, he puts things into place and he has good people surrounding him, which obviously makes his job easier. But, um, you know, I worked with Roger just a little bit, uh, Motocross to Nations. But... It's kind of on a different line so i can't i mean i know he was very structured and and, you know obviously you have a lot of respect for him from his past and you respect what he says so i I don't know if the younger guys know roger from that side right i mean maybe they do but um you know and i think keith mccarty was a was a a great um, team manager i mean he was like almost like my second dad because i started there so young um but you know, he was, now these guys have all of these people. Keith and my mechanic were kind of all of those people then. Um, trainers, uh, mental guys. You, you, they right, knew everything, what one. you did during the week at home. I mean, they they knew you probably better than some of your best friends. So I, it's crazy how it has all changed. But I think that's the reason they've been so successful is because, like you were saying, they have all of these people that help they, them they, take they, care they, of these things. they built and
2: trusted in, in their structure, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so it's... Um, but again, that was like family to me at Yamaha. Now I think it's so corporate and so, but it obviously works for them.
2: Let's jump right in. You mentioned it, motocross the nations. What the, the motocross the nations? What what's going on over there? Oh here?
0: gosh, yeah, that that pressure. I mean, you, the,
2: and you the, you? I mean, you went over there. How many times?
0: I think I went. I went twice, and then the third time was chosen and opted out, on, yeah. which everybody didn't like that very well. But what? Why?
2: Why did you not do it? Because of the just the gnarly pressure, and it was, it and was unfor- a, like if you won, great. If you lost, then you're the end in uh, the world. Yeah, exactly.
0: It was the pressure and um, the effort that it took to go, and it just and again, I, I wanted to give somebody else an, an opportunity to go, and I think two guys went that year because me and Stan opted out. That may have never never may yeah, have never home, been able to go. Yeah, and they ended up winning. Yeah. So it was uh, it was you know and a, a great honor to be chosen for it. It's one of those things I think growing up as a kid. That is like, to me, that's like winning a championship to get chosen to go and do that. Yeah, but the pressure I, was unexplainable.
2: Did you guys pit together? We all we a team there, or we individual trucks?
0: No, we we were we were we were a team, and it was everything went out the window. You know what I mean? It was like all of a sudden now you were a team, and I mean we we which we would go over for two weeks, we train together, ride together, and those um things that you would never do in the States, obviously. Right. But it was cool because you got to know, you know, Jeff Ford and on a different line and, and, and uh, Jeff Stanton. And, but then when you went back home, it was totally with, separate again. I
2: read something to Mathis, with Mathis we were with Tim Ferry. I think Roger was over there with, with Rhino and someone else, someone else. And so they got there a little late, Ferry and, and Mathis did. They showed up to the test track to do the team thing. The, the other two guys were done, so they said, well, "Okay, this is how the track is. We'll see you back at the hotel and then at, while they're at the races, they're all three in different team trucks. He said i we literally never spoke the entire weekend.
1: Oh God,
2: yeah, no. and how do you team sport that? That's just I, they fathom that, and that's why I was wondering if it was like that with you, but I always recall no. that in reading stories, obviously it's being such a huge fan of that. It's going there as a as a unit, yep. not three different individuals and I yeah, yeah.
0: that's cra- that's crazy yeah i I, I, I do sh- remember hearing
2: that though. I didn't quite realize it was like that and then you know obviously the nation's here in red Blood, uh walking around the pits and stuff it's a different vibe obviously but uh yeah i just want you know, I, I thought it was always badass you went there and,
0: and kicked it yeah it was i was fortunate to be a part of a winning team and i didn't really contribute that much i didn't uh feel like because i had crashes and the one year i went on 125 we didn't have a 125 rider that year so we had no testing nothing and it was like they wanted me right 125 so i tried oh you'd
2: run 250 all year
0: yeah, all year, and yeah. you dropped down and
2: ride 125. And you hadn't
0: been on it all year, and the bike was was really really bad. I mean, it was probably maybe like riding a 65 now. You just <laughs> it was so bad, yeah. And got jumped on top of. I couldn't even. I couldn't yeah, even make sand, some of was the that jumps. a sand track. Yeah, I couldn't even make some of the jumps. That other 125s. I mean, that's how bad the thing was.
2: And what was the where was the second time you were? What country? Do you remember? Uh, I think, I
0: think uh, Sweden and Belgium were the two that I went to. Sweden was a sand. Udell. they both were oh the second one was well yeah yeah it was gnarly you're from florida you love that shit well i like riding the sand but horsepower helped yeah no that's not yeah. so bad i forgot yeah.
2: that they've done that and that they still do that sometimes pretty rarely i think what they did the dungeon once
0: it was like going back you're talking about the teams and stuff i mean we you didn't think about and i didn't talk about it because i knew there were several years that my my motorcycle was not even close to what hondas or our Cowboys were, but you didn't talk about it, you didn't tell the press, you didn't tell anybody. Yeah, how about those, that four, that 490, that fin flap and air cooled 490? I'm glad I did. And you're it's racing those
2: factory Honda 500s, that had to be gnarly. Uh,
0: yeah, and the, and the Cowboy that year was obviously the best 500. Um, but somebody mentioned it to me today. So I like only six races I think then because it was a split season, but uh, the stories that come out of that, I'm I'm glad I did it. I think we're up against
1: all right, guys, um, how about a round of applause for our, our first set of guests, Damon Bradshaw and Chad Swap patterson Thank you, thank you guys. It is a Justin Brayden weekend, and by the way, I do want to let you guys know before you depart that you still are the heroes for many of us because you raised for us that which we could not have done ourselves. So we love you guys. Respect the heck out of you. Thank you for the time today, and appreciate you coming out. Big round of applause for these guys right here. It is a, uh, it is a... (laughs) <laughs> An incredible weekend, as always. We're to spend it with Justin Brayton, but Justin Brayton shootout going on down in Winterset, Iowa, Riverside Raceway. We'll be back. Absurd After Party and Pit Pass will continue. More with Denny Stevenson, yours truly. Coming up, our guests include Cody Gilmore and Matt Biden. Stay tuned. Back after this